More than just an office, VentureX is the future of workspace. Whether it be your primary, secondary, or tertiary space, VentureX has solutions to meet your needs. Speak Studios is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios and their websites, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Toxic to Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I am your host. I'm a therapist. I'm a coach. I'm an author. I wrote the book, Oh Shit, I Think They're a Fucking Narcissist. I help people who are in toxic, unhealthy relationships. I help people move forward, move on, and heal and learn how to love themselves, how to set boundaries, and how to live a more healthy, productive life after dealing with a toxic relationship, no matter what type of toxic relationship that may have been. And so today, we are talking about the inner child. And a lot of times when we, you hear the phrase inner child, it brings a lot of frustration about with a lot of different people. There's a lot of people that feel very differently about dealing with inner child wounds. Some people, you hear them say things like, just get over it, right? Just move on, just move forward, right? And they, they, you might hear people say things like, your parents did their best, Right. While some of those things might be true, I even had uh, someone send me something uh, the other day on TikTok. Just grow up. Right. You hear things like that, right? Just get over it. It happened. It was in the past, right? But is it really, right? And that's the question that we need to really ask ourselves because when we start talking about inner child wounds, right, that was our first impression of the world, right? So, and we also have to break down what is an inner child before we start dismissing people when we start talking about inner child work how important it is and how the, the, our inner child has shaped us into, in, into the person that we are, how it's formed our attachment and how we attach to other people, how it's formed us into the parents that we are and how it's formed us into the type of relationships that we attract into, into the, the type of relationships that we, uh, how we behave in relationships, right? Then we need to discover, we need to look into this a little bit further before we start dismissing and before we start saying things like just grow up, just move on, just move forward. It was in the past. So what is an inner child? First of all, first and foremost, right? Let's break that down. So we have to understand that all, that all of us, right? We all have an inner child, every single one of us, myself included. Every single person who's listening to, uh, to this, whether you're listening to that, to this live. And for those of you who don't know, uh, we've changed up Toxic Triumph quite a bit, so we actually have people that are listening live that might ask questions during uh, during the recording, right? So we all have an inner child, right? And uh, we, there's an aspect to us that is very childlike, right? So our inner child is the unconscious part of who we are. So let's stop there for a second and let's understand and let's let's break that down. Let's think about that for a second. So if we all have a childlike aspect to us, and if all of us learned a certain behavior, right? Let's say that we dealt with some form of trauma or neglect as, in, as a child, and there's irrefutable evidence that supports that when we're traumatized, regardless of us as a child or as an adult, that we behave in certain ways. So think about it. You're still being formed. You're still being shaped. You're basically 
a blank slate as a child. You're learning about the world. And so if the world has presented trauma to you as a child, and that has now formed and shaped your behavior, trauma, right, and neglect, and it is now in an unconscious part of who you are as, as you have developed, we have to understand that guess what? That there possibly, right, if we have an inner child wound, you can be 40, 50, 60 years old and still behaving like that traumatized child, right? There's a reason why there's certain people, especially if you have dealt with a narcissist, why you uh, or people who are toxic or codependent, the reason why, what do you see from them sometimes? Tantrums, right? How many people have experienced or maybe you have thrown a tantrum yourself as an adult. What is that? It's the inner child that's locked inside, right? We're resorting back to a behavior, right? That we, that we experienced, that we learned, right? A coping mechanism that we learned as a child. We're going to get into that a little bit later into when we get into the recording, right? The other thing that we have to understand about an inner child is that we, that we all, that we're all children at what we were all children at one point in time. Right. And that child still lives inside of you. Right? I had a person on TikTok saying that the person that the, the little girl inside of her still needed to be addressed and still needed healing. Right. So we were all, every single one of us were children at one point in time. So we can't dismiss the fact that we, that we all share that experience and that we've all had that experience of, of being a child. The other thing about the inner child is that after being mistreated as a child, you may feel that you deserve to be mistreated. Let's pause there for a second. Let's think about that, right? For those of you who have dealt with some form of mistreatment as a child, right? Think about that. If you already know that you were mistreated, that you were uh, abused, you were neglected, or if you had a rough upbringing, whether it was intentional or not, Right? We have to understand that that may cause you to think that you deserve to be mistreated. So let's fast forward. You feel like you deserve to be mis mistreated because of your childhood upbringing. Then it should be no surprise that as an adult, we accept mistreatment from narcissistic, toxic people. And then we recycle those same type of behaviors, right? And think about that. Right. So if we're recycling the same type of behaviors over and over and over again, right, we're jumping from one toxic relationship to another, one narcissistic relationship to another. It goes without saying that, guess what? There's a potential, there's, a, there's the potential that we have something locked subconsciously, right, that is attracting us into those type of relationships. What would that be? The fact that we grew up in a situation that we felt that mistreatment was deserved somehow, some way, right? So the number one aspect, right, when we're talking about the number one sign that we may have an inner child wound, right? So we're going through all the signs that we may have an inner child wound. The number one sign is a fear of abandonment. You have a fear of abandonment. It's something that is so common. So why would someone have a fear of abandonment? You often, or what does that look like? You often worry that the people in your life are going to leave. How many people feel that that way, right? That even in a relationship, 
right? And think about how this could, could potentially impact a, a person, right? You feel like that one, that person always has that one foot out the door because of this fear of abandonment. And if you don't recognize, if you don't realize that this is because of an inner child wound, you could, you potentially could feel like that there's something wrong with that other person. So what happens if we're not self-aware of how our behavior, right? And how our subconscious, right? Is telling us that this person has one foot out the door, even if they don't, right? We're going to behave and we're going to act in ways, right? That is actually going to push that person out of the door, right? Therefore becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. People with a fear of abandonment also, you feel like you are unworthy of love. And we just talked about that, right? Where you don't feel like you're worthy of love. So therefore, when someone does present love, guess what you think? You don't, you don't feel like it's authentic, right? And so therefore, what happens is that if you don't feel like you're worthy of love, guess what you also have the potential to do? You have the potential to push people away. Because people who fear abandonment, you're already anticipating. You already think that the abandonment is inevitable, so people who fear abandonment will push people away with the intent of, I would much rather just go ahead and get this over with than to wait for this abandonment, this perceived abandonment to happen, right? Thus, just like I said a minute ago, becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. People with the fear of abandonment, right? Nothing anyone does, right? So the, 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 the argument there. <clears throat> The argument there is that if so, if I'm with someone, because a lot of times people with a fear of abandonment or people who have some sort of some form of insecurity or inner child wound is I need to meet the right person, right? Someone who won't abandon me. But the problem there, right, in theory, right, in theory, that sounds good. But in reality, right, nothing, when we have a fear of abandonment, nothing anyone does will ever convince you that they won't leave. It doesn't matter what they do, right? How many people, how many stories, or maybe this relates to you, it doesn't matter if they show you their phone, right? Nothing they can do can convince you that they're not going to leave, right? They get a promotion, and so you think that that promotion is going to lead to them making more money, and now that they've made it, they're, they're ready to abandon you, um, regardless if they, and let's, let's, let's throw narcissism out, let's throw toxicity out, where we actually have evidence where someone might be looking to leave or they may actually be causing harm. Let's talk about our, our healthy relationships or potentially healthy relationships. You're looking for it, right? You're looking for it. And so nothing that they can do, they can take you, they can, uh, they can love you. They can call you every night. They can be very pleasant with you, but nothing that they can, nothing that they do will convince you otherwise, right? Because you have it locked in your subconscious that everyone at some point in time will abandon you. This is, this is a, another key element of that fear of abandonment that, that we're talking about, right? And I think that a lot of people can relate to this, right? You find yourself saying to yourself or saying to other people, you would rather be alone than to be abandoned, right? So what does that lead to? Quite often where people won't even attempt to date, they won't even take that risk, right? How many people after a toxic narcissistic relationship or after a relationship ends, right? Stay single and just stay at home because they just know I'm doing air quotes that it doesn't matter who they may meet that that person is going to abandon them. So they just don't even try. 
right? I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are that can relate to that as well. Right. So number two sign that you have an inner child wound, right? That may may be going unnoticed. Is that you have what's called inappropriate guilt. It's something that a lot of people can relate to. How many people feel guilty about things that they didn't do? Especially if you're dealing with a narcissist, right? Dealing with a narcissist or you're dealing with a toxic mother or a toxic father, right? People who, uh, when you were growing up, used what we call the fog method, fear, obligation, and guilt, right? And they made you feel guilty about things that were outside of your control when you were young, right? For a lot of people as an adult, your guilt, right? The shame that you feel when you have left a relationship, even though you knew that that was the be- in your best interest, right? You still felt guilty. Even when someone has done you wrong, right? When a narcissist tries to convince you that it was your fault, you feel guilty for something that was done to you, even though you were the victim. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Right? Why would someone, how could someone feel guilty about something that they didn't do? That you weren't involved in. How many people do you hear, or maybe this was you, you were cheated on by someone who's toxic or narcissistic, but you felt guilty about their behavior? Why is that? Right? We can't continuously dismiss the fact that this is locked in our subconscious. And the reason why people feel have this what's called inappropriate guilt, feeling guilty when they have no responsibility for that person's behavior is that you were blamed a lot as a child. Your parents, right, your caregivers blamed you a lot for things that were outside of your fault. Keep in mind, you were a kid. You were a child. right? You should have little to no responsibility as a child, but you were blamed. right? Not only were you blamed, but you were blamed for things that were outside of your control. So think about that. Right, things that are outside of your control. You as a child, you have very little control. Think about it. the people that are blaming you are responsible for you. Right, they're the ones that are supposed to protect you and feed you and uh, and lead and guide you. Yet those are the ones that are also placing the blame, which also in turn is placing the guilt onto you as well. And then not only that, but as a child, you can't do anything about it anyway. Right. So it goes without saying that, of course, this is going to lead to some inappropriate guilt. Right. Because you can't do anything about it anyway. So then we fast forward as an adult and we're dealing with people who are outside of our control. And we now guess what? When when people blame us, what happens? Of course, we're going to take ownership for that guilt because that's how we were conditioned as a child. Right. People who have inappropriate guilt when uh, when they've done something, when they've done something wrong. Right. We have to understand that it's 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 normal to feel like you've done some when, when you actually have done some, something wrong. It's normal to feel guilty. But when you haven't done anything wrong, that's not normal. That's when it starts going into getting getting into a place of inappropriate guilt. So sign number three. Right, when we're talking about our inner child wounds, right, signs that we have inner child wounds. Sign number three is that you have trust issues. Right? You have trust issues. For a lot of people, you may have blamed other uh, your, your significant other for your trust issues, right? that they might be acting fishy, 
It might be because of your inner child, right? What happens is that you, as a child, right, were constantly manipulated and lied to as a child, right? Your caregivers constantly were manipulating, constantly lying to you, right? So what happens is that we have to remember that as a child that your caregivers are your world at the time, right? And should be, right? Ideally, they should be loving you unconditionally. The last thing that they should be doing is lying to you. So imagine, right, that consistently, right, as a child or even, even as a, even as, uh, as a, even as an adult, imagine if every time you went to sit down, someone kept ripping the, the chair right from underneath you. Eventually, you're going to be a little bit more cautious, right, every single time that you sit down because you're con now conditioned to believe that sometimes that chair isn't going to be there. So guess what? You're going to end up lacking trust, right? So think about that, that same, in that same scenario. As a child, you're being manipulated and lied to consistently, right? And then you find out that the things that, that not only are you being lied to consistently, but you're being lied to by the people who you, sh who you should be able to trust the most, right? People who have trust issues due to their inner child wounds, right? You're always concerned. You find yourself always concerned with other people's intentions, right? How many people, you're on the dating scene, right? And you are, uh, you, you, you're always concerned with people's intentions with you, right? You never trust whether, you never trust that someone actually has good intentions. Well, let's say that you're dating someone and you're always wondering, do they really actually care the way that they do? Right, so let's talk about how this actually plays out. Once again, let's throw out narcissism. Let's throw out all the toxic, toxic people out there. Let's say that you actually meet someone that's, that's nice and healthy. Right, someone who's secure, has a secure attachment style. Right, and you present as someone who, is, uh, who uh, has trust issues. Right, who's always curious about their intention and always questioning their intention their intentions, right? We have to understand that that has a negative impact on potential healthy relationships. Healthy relationships require trust. It's a requirement along with vulnerability. And if we have, if we, we have to remember that if we don't trust other people, we won't be vulnerable with them, right? So not only are we holding back, but we also are going to question their motives and their intentions for even some of the most small, some of the more minor things. Right. So with that being said, we have to understand that these trust issues, right, if uh, that they have the potential, right, to ruin potentially good, healthy relationships. Right. Quite often, people with trust issues right, will engage in that type of behavior because what they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid another heartbreak. Right. They can't in their mind, they can't take and they, they don't even want to put the risk in there for another heartbreak. So you develop trust issues to, to what you think will protect yourself, right? What you think, I'm, I'm, I'm key phrase, what you think will protect you. The problem though, is it doesn't work, right? Your trust issues only fur cause further damage within you because we all, we're all wired for connection. So there's going to be a part of you that still has a desire for connection, 
right? But you're, but you're not ever going to be able to, uh, unless we work through this, right? Completely trust another person when that is unfortunately a requirement, right? In a healthy relationship. I shouldn't say unfortunately, it's, it's fortunate. It's good when, when it's working right. Right. But we have to understand that these trust issues are damaging to future relationships. So number four, when we're talking about signs, number, number four sign that we're struggling with an inner child wound is a fear of setting boundaries. You hear me talking about boundaries so often, especially in my lives and some of my other platforms. And we're talking about a fear of boundaries. And so why, why are we fearful of setting boundaries? You have to understand that your parents, right, your, your upbringing, that should have been a safe haven for you to explore and for you to learn about the world and by the way that the world makes you feel. Well, if you're dealing with parents where when you do try to set appropriate boundaries as a child, right, they begin to lash out at you, right? They don't allow for you to have boundaries. They try to control you in certain ways. Your boundaries are consistently violated. Right? It goes without saying that you're going to feel as though boundaries are a bad thing because you're conditioned that way because they're not allowing for it to happen. Right? So what happens? You don't ever learn your limits. The problem is that we all have limits regardless if we know them or not. Right? So if you weren't allowed to develop and understand where your limits lie, you always hear me talking about our limits in five different areas. Mental boundaries emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, boundaries around our time slash energy and boundaries around our finances slash material possessions. So if all of these areas are being violated or not uh, paid attention to, or if you're not put in a position where you feel comfortable setting boundaries in those areas, it goes without saying, guess what? You are now as an adult because you don't know how to set boundaries Right? You're not comfortable with setting boundaries. You don't know how to enforce them because you didn't put it into practice as a young child. Guess what? It goes without saying that you are a potential. Let's, before I go there, we have to understand what boundaries are for. Boundaries are, number one, they are for you. They're not for anybody else. They're for you to protect yourself. Protect myself from who, Matt? Protect yourself from people who are controlling, people who are abusive, people who are manipulative, people who gaslight, narcissists. Right, people who uh, who violate boundaries, who don't respect rules, who don't respect um, um, people's boundaries. So think about that. Right, I, I would say a great majority of people who listen to my podcast are are here because they have dealt with some sort of toxic relationship at one point in time in their life. So if you were not taught, you weren't encouraged to to set boundaries. If you weren't put in a position, if you weren't set up for success on setting boundaries, enforcing boundaries. And if you were not able to put that into practice when you're young, guess what? Now you're someone who is out of practice. And I always compare boundaries to a muscle, right? And when you don't use a certain muscle, guess what? Guess what happens? Atrophy sets in, right? That muscle becomes very, very weak. Your boundaries are weak. So welcome to the world, young child, right? Who is now an adult, right? But you have a childlike uh, muscle, Weak boundaries, guess what? And just like I said, bound, what are boundaries for? To protect you from who? People who are toxic, narcissistic, people who abuse boundaries, people who are going to try to manipulate and try to use you. Welcome to the world, right? And so now you all of a sudden are 
exposed to a world with people who will look at the fact that you lack boundaries and take full advantage of that each and every single time that they possibly can. Right, so we have to begin to recognize that these weak boundaries, right, are potentially because of an inner child wound, right? And it's important for us to begin to recognize how subconscious this actually is, right? So when you fear setting boundaries, right, and one of the things that we, we begin to discover is that you find it hard to also enforce boundaries. It's one thing to set boundaries. It's a whole other thing to enforce. Let me give you an example. We actually have boundaries all around us. They're everywhere. One of the most common boundaries that people don't talk, talk about enough is the speed limit. All boundaries are, are are knowing your limits, right? So we need to know, guess what, the speed limit when we're driving. It's one thing to set the boundary. Setting the boundary is actually putting up the sign, right? That's setting the speed limit. So then everyone knows what the speed limit is as everyone's driving by, right? It's a whole other thing to enforce. So when someone is actually speeding, how is it actually enforced? Well, everyone knows, right? You get pulled over, you get a ticket, you get a fine. However, if you're going if you're going 10 over, right, you might get a ticket, you'll get a fine, you'll get points on your license, things like that. What happens if you're going 110 miles faster than the speed limit? It's a whole different type of enforcement, right? Your car gets impounded, you get your license revoked, that sort of thing. You, you might even go to jail. The problem here, though, when we're talking about and given those circumstances with someone with weak boundaries, you don't know how to enforce. Someone pushes you, someone violates your boundaries. Right? And what does someone who lacks boundaries do? They give them chance after chance. They let in that, in that example I gave, we continuously give someone warnings when they really should be getting their license revoked, when they really should be able should be going to jail, when we really need to understand that the, that their relationship needs to end. Right? People who are in abusive, controlling relationships, right? Manipulative relationships who are being cheated on at um, time after time, given multiple different chances with weak boundaries, not understanding what their own personal deal breakers are, what happened. And their subconscious, right, and their inner child, they were not taught appropriate boundaries, that it's okay to say fuck off, that it's okay to walk away from a relationship. It's okay for you to say enough is enough. No, you can't borrow money, right? These are my limits. I can't make it this weekend, right? Um, and, and, and how to set those boundaries appropriately and how to protect uh, all five of those areas. The other problem when we're talking about boundary setting is the other side of it. Right? If we lack boundaries, then that also means that we also are likely more prone to people-pleasing behavior. Right? That we feel that we need to just tell people what they want to hear to, number one, to um, in some certain circumstances to keep ourselves safe. Right. But we also if we if we combined what uh, the fear of abandonment where we don't want people to leave and we want to cling on to people and we and we uh, feel like we need to tell people what what they need to hear because we fear that people are going to exit our life. Right. That we're not comfortable with people leaving. We don't want to just and just like we talked about with the guilt. Right. We don't want we would feel guilty if someone were to ever leave our life based on us setting a boundary and we we, we would never 
ever, ever want to carry around that guilt that someone got so upset with us for setting a boundary, right? Because we were taught and we're conditioned to believe that that's a negative thing. That's a bad thing when really it's actually quite the opposite, right? And so what happens is that, and think about this, right? Just like we talked about people, um, boundaries are to protect us from people who are narcissistic controlling, right? People who, um, who, who mistreat us. And so what happens when we're people pleasing and we're keeping, we're clinging on to unhealthy relationships, right? More, more than likely we're clinging on to people who are actually mistreating us. Right. So it doesn't even work into our favor. Right. Quite often you hear people, um, people who struggle with people that will say, I just want everyone to be happy. Everyone except for yourself, which becomes a problem. Right. Because you're not actually presenting an authentic version of yourself to the world. So guess what? Here's the problem with people, please. And not a lot of not enough people talk about. Right? And there's too many people, right? Too many clinicians included, right? Too many clinicians included in, in this statement that will allow for people to people please and they won't correct and they won't challenge that behavior. The reason why I have no problem challenging that behavior is because the person who is people pleasing, right? Who says something like, I just want everyone around me to be happy, even if that means that I'm unhappy. The problem is, is that the people who you think are happy with you Right? If they're okay with you being unhappy and with you being miserable, they really don't like you the way that you think. That's the problem. Right? And the problem is that when, what happens is that you find out when you start correcting the people-pleasing behavior that when you present an authentic version of yourself that you are actually pleasing people that really don't give a shit about you. And that's hard for people to sit with. Because what you understand once you go through this healing journey is that the that there's people there that people if I want to know if someone truly actually honestly cares about me then I need to present my most authentic version of myself and the people who stay around right the people who appreciate the authentic version of me people who want me to be happy just the same way that I want to be happy those are the ones that actually truly appreciate me and the ones that don't guess what? They are welcome to leave, right? We have to understand that not everyone is going to like you. And let me, let's take that one step further. We know that not everyone's going to like you because guess what? You don't like everyone, right? So if we understand that you don't like everyone, guess what? We have to be okay. And, and, and guess what? People are allowed to not like you. They're allowed to. That's uncomfortable for people to sit with, but they're allowed to. They're allowed to think that you're the villain. That's what good mental and emotional boundaries look like. They're allowed to think that. They're allowed to think that you're the villain in the story, right? And the other part to a fear of setting boundaries is that you're uncomfortable speaking your mind, right? That you're uncomfortable. You're afraid that, that people are going to leave your life, that people are not going to appreciate you for who you are if you speak your mind. Right, but again, right, if we're not able to speak our mind, what does that tell us about that relationship if, we, if we're not comfortable being an authentic version of ourself? Number five, when we're talking about different signs of our, uh, that we are struggling with inner child wounds, is that you get, very, you get angry easily. Right? This, is, again, this goes back to something we were talking about with tantrums. 
you get angry easily. Right, so let's break this down. Let's talk about why this actually is a childhood, a potential childhood wound. Because right, we, we have to understand that we all get angry, right? That's not different for, you know, that's the same for everybody, right? We all, every single one of us gets angry, right? But the difference is, is that when we're, when we're struggling that, with this because of a childhood wound, right, the reality of it is, is that you're, you're losing your temper, right? Because quite often you're stuck in a, in a time period, right, where you actually had no control over your anger where you, where you didn't have your needs met as a child, right? So you lose your anger as an adult because you were never able, you were never taught how to emotionally regulate. So you lose your temper easily and you struggle to manage it properly, right? Over, you, you become overly angry, right? Overly angry is like your inner child throwing a tantrum. Right. How many times, like, think about when you're walking through the mall or walk through Walmart or Target, right? you, throw, you see a child throwing a tantrum. How many times have we seen an adult acting and behaving the same exact way with the stomping, with the crying, with the yelling, with the gritting their teeth, clutching their fists, right? throwing things around? How many times have we as adults or have we witnessed other adults behaving that, like that? What is that? Is that adult-like behavior? Or... Is that a child, right? Is that an inner child crying out that they were reminded, right, of a time where they may have been traumatized, right, a time period where they they were made to feel uncomfortable, right, and they had no control over it. And so at the time when they were young, that was how they behaved, and they don't know any other way to behave. So this might describe you, right, and if that describes you, guess what? That's a time for us to begin to reevaluate and begin to address this inner child wound because like we said in the beginning, this has the potential to be very subconscious, right? Which is the reason why you hear me quite often. You know, I, I highly, highly encourage for people to get into therapy because quite often you need a third party to, re, to, to help you evaluate this because guess what? Sometimes you need an outsider's opinion, right? The other thing is that you, when you're dealing with Anger, right, due, due to inner child wounds, right, is that that inner child, right, was holding on to a time period when their needs weren't met or a time period that things were extremely frustrating and they were not taught how to regulate their emotions, right? So think about that. So every single time, right, that something would happen, right, as an adult and you didn't get your way, that inner child, that subconscious part of you, it's, re it's reminding you of a time that you, you were extremely frustrated and, you, and maybe your needs were neglected, right, that you didn't get your way and you're holding on to things, right? Quite often you're holding on to things, right, because, you, because, of, uh, because of the neglect and because of the abandonment that you may have experienced as a child. Right. And the last part of the wounds that we might be dealing with as an inner child from our inner child is that you have trouble letting things go. Right. And this is a big one for a lot of people. One of, the thing, one of the things that we don't understand, a lot of people don't talk enough about is that with our emotions, they don't go anywhere. 
people say things, people will say things like, you know, I get over things quickly. I just go with the flow. I just do this. I just do that. The reality of it is, is that our emotions don't go anywhere. What I mean by that is they literally get trapped in our body. We feel our emotions are in our body. It's like we were talking about earlier when we feel guilty. We feel our guilt in our body. We feel our anger in our body. We feel our anxiety in our body. And if we don't process it, if we don't address it, if we don't call it out, guess what? It gets trapped there. It stays there. It's the reason why therapy, right, um, when you see a therapist, is so difficult because you quite often you have to go and you have to talk about the past. You have to bring up unhealed wounds, right, things that thing, um, process emotions that you never processed before. Quite often you start to feel in ways that you felt way back when. Right, because it's bringing up and it's pre-processing things that you have never processed before, things that were unaddressed. Well, same thing with trauma. We bury our trauma. Right. So, how many, especially people who struggle with this part of a childhood wound? Right? How many? How many people who are listening find yourself continuing to think about arguments? Right. And this is something that happens quite often with people who struggle, who are healing from a narcissistically abusive relationship. Right. You're, you're arguing with someone. Sometimes they're not even there. And this, what does this look like? This looks like CPTSD. Right. Where you're arguing, right? You're still stuck in an argument. You're trying to prove something. You're holding on to that argument, ruminating over the bad things. Right. And quite often we cling to things that are over. Right? How many people cling to old relationships, clinging to old friendships? Right? And so the reason why we cling to old things is because it actually feels safer than accepting the reality. Right? It feels safer to cling on to that toxic ex. It feels safer to cling on to those arguments than to actually accept. Right? What, what a therapist, what do you hear me talking about so often? Accepting the reality that certain things are over. Right? or that so that person is toxic, or that person is, uh, is abusive. Sometimes it's easier when someone has an inner child wound to cling on to something right, than to ever accept the reality because quite often the reality requires something. It requires you to change. I, I, I mentioned something on another platform one time that when we are expecting someone else to change and they don't, guess what? The reality of it is, is that you also are not changing, right? And this is what I mean is that quite often, especially people who are in toxic, narcissistically abusive relationships, I, you know, I, I don't do one-on-ones anymore, but when I did, how do I get him to change? How do I get her to change? You can't. Well, then what do I do? What am I supposed to do? Accept them. Well, I can't. I can't, I can't accept that behavior. Well, that behavior is intolerable. So then guess what? You have some decisions to make is what I would tell people. And then you would see their eyes get really big, understanding that they that if that that you, you would actually start to see people see in, in their face, right? That reality was starting to set in. And if I can't change that other person, if my behavior, if I change my behavior and it still doesn't change the other person, it's not if they're still not seeing it and they lack empathy and all the things that come with uh, with dealing with a narcissist, and they start to realize I actually have to do something and I have to accept reality and I have to let go. That's hard for a lot of people to come to when they're struggling with this wound, right? That I have to accept reality. I have to change 
and I have to begin to let things go and I'm and, and I have to actually do what you hear me talking about so often take responsibility for my own personal healing so those are the six signs that someone is uh, is struggling with an inner child wound right and so uh, we do have uh, so let's talk about some ways that we can work through them right you can focus on your effort focus on the things that you've done rather than uh, rather than the things that are your fault you want to be easy on yourself you also want to be a very aware of our negative self-talk Right. We also want to be aware of self-care when it comes to uh, when it comes to inner child wounds. Thank you guys for joining Toxic Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I appreciate you guys joining. Thank you guys very much for listening in. So we talked about inner child wounds. I can't wait to hear about everyone's successes through working through with their therapist or their coach with their inner child wounds, uh, and can't wait to hear how that has impacted your life. So. Thank you guys, and I will catch you on the next episode.